0: Hello and welcome to the D2C podcast, I'm Eric Dick. Today, we're chirping with Haley Russell, CEO and founder of Chippin' Pet, which offers all natural dog nutrition with planet-friendly proteins, including crickets. Chippin' has created the perfect storm for growth with their timely product that dogs love and that pet owners can feel good about without actually having to eat bugs themselves. In this podcast, we cover crickets and why they're the protein of the future, the impact of signing on with Petco early on, the down-to-earth content that fuels Chippen's growth at Top of Funnel, as well as the power of PR, especially for PR-perfect products like Chippen. We'll dive into climate change influencers and lots more. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. On with the show.
1: For a person who is, say, a vegetarian or a vegan and really is passionate about standing behind the story of a product, they'll eat it. And even if they don't really like it the first time, they'll keep coming back until the product is something that they're a used to or b improves a dog is very different we have to from day one ensure that we're just nailing it and it tastes great because if they don't like the product they're just not going to eat it and then there's no way that a pet parent can come back and buy it so a lot of the growth in our e-com business has been led by the fact that when we do get a customer they come back and they share it with people in their community
0: Order Groove subscription platform enables merchants to rapidly scale recurring revenue, deliver a superior subscriber experience and maximize subscriber lifetime value. Leading merchants utilize Order Groove's powerful tools, promotions and AI-powered personalization to drive subscriber enrollment, optimize subscriber retention and increase average order value. Visit ordergroove.com/dtc to request a complimentary audit of your existing or future subscription program. Welcome to the D2C podcast, Haley. Why don't we start with the why? Why did you build Chippin?
1: Well, thank you so much for having me, first of all. I think I'll start with a little bit of who we are um, for the listeners that may not know us um, yet. So Chippin is a pet brand that we've developed to create high quality pet nutrition that helps reduce the eco paw print. And so we're basically all about creating things that empower pet parents and their four-legged family members to chip in and do something that's great for our pets and great for the planet. And the way that we do that is by creating a suite of products right now that are dog-focused that are powered by sustainable proteins, things like crickets, overpopulated species. We have an overpopulated fish product, actually a couple now, then a vegan product made from spirulina. And so got started on this, really inspired um, in large part by my personal experience. I grew up on the East Coast, have been a longtime foodie, always cared about what I myself am eating and have been mindful of the food that I eat and what that means for the way that we're using our resources, like water, land, and pollution that's emitted from the foods that I eat. And um, basically had this insight that every product within the consumer space seems to have changed over the past years where there's an option to get something that's high quality and better for the planet, whether it be non-toxic cleaning goods or shoes or plant-based burgers. And when it came to pet food, um, it's just a really large, totally unaddressed market. And I found that out because I had the personal experience of going to the grocery store and walking down the aisle, hit the pet food aisle and saw that same kind of bulky bag of beef and chicken kibble and lamb pâtés and wanted something um, for my golden doodle wren that was tasty, high quality and helped save the planet.
0: And so what drew you to like, because you had some background with crickets even before the product?
1: I did. (laughs) What drew you to
0: crickets originally? Was it the same (laughs) idea of just sort of uh, efficient nutrition capability?
1: Yeah, I was first intrigued uh, when I I saw some cricket nutrition companies popping up for people. And I, I had had a background where I started my career in finance, and then I worked with a couple different food and beverage focused companies. And I knew that Protein is a problem. It's a problem and an opportunity because there's a, a ton of great nutrition that can be offered through our protein choices. But also, when you're looking at kind of any given meal, it's really the the protein that's the driver of a, a lot of harmful things like methane emissions. And so I started by looking at cricket protein. I was going to business school. I got a handful of grants um, to actually build my own cricket farm. And I worked with entomologists. I just kind of sought out the advice of scientific advisors across the board and learned everything I possibly could about the cricket protein supply chain. And so it really ended up being a situation where I kind of married what had been a insight around insect protein as a superfood from a nutrition standpoint, and then truly so powerful for reducing the eco impact of, of protein choice uh, with then this kind of long standing experience of hey why isn 't there there a pet food that 's good all around
0: I love it it 's an incredibly i think attractive product to the market right now and and for me personally, I lived in uh, Thailand I lived uh, in Korea as well, and in my time there, I did eat a lot of bugs. And I am personally not a huge fan of them. Uh, I understand their benefit, but I'm not personally a huge fan of them. But I love the idea that I can, if my dog likes it, that's great. It's So it's a way that I also can lower my footprint without having to eat the bugs myself yet.
1: Absolutely. So that was one of the things that I found as I learned more and more about the potential of insect protein was that there were a lot of people like yourself who were interested in potentially giving it a try, but moving from trial to adoption um, was something that psychologically was challenging for a lot of people. But when it came to, hey, I can feed my dog something super healthy. My dog absolutely loves it. The products that we craft are designed in such a way they look like a regular dog treat. They smell great for the dogs and even the person. And so you don't have that disgust factor.
0: For me, I, I as a dog owner this isn't the, the brightest thing probably for me to care about for my dog, but I like my dog to look like he's enjoying something or like really want to eat it. And we found that there's a lot of kibbles that he's sort of not into. And, and I'm interested Is that that's something that you sort of tested across. It's a product that dogs really seem to be into.
1: Absolutely. I I'm a pet parent too. And so I don't want to give my dog anything that, you know, it's, it's not fun to eat. And yeah, actually when we get reviews, usually the first thing people will say, say is my dog loved it. That's the first line in almost every single review. It's my dog loved it. And then the second line is I loved that my dog loves it and it's good for the planet.
0: Totally. Nice. So, you know, you started your business in 2019. What was your first big win, would you say?
1: Really big wins are always positive customer receptions. So, the very first big win was just seeing that people were excited about the product and that dogs liked it. And then from a growth perspective, A win that we're so proud of was a a bit earlier this year for Earth Day in, in 2021. We went live with Petco Nationwide, which was this awesome signal of not only do we have this dedicated and a close community of people that are passionate about chipping and the ability to reduce the eco paw print altogether while nourishing our dogs, but also that there's this much bigger market potential and, and really that we've been kind of working towards something that is the future of the way our pets are going to eat.
0: Yeah, I I think that's a really a really great confirmation. What was that process like? Was it just as as easy as submitting it and and having them love it? Like like what was the process of actually getting into Petco like?
1: I think with with any customer relationship whether it be D2C or a B two B business, a lot of it is going to be relationship based, and so we had countless calls as we were ramping up and sharing our story, sharing more about the product, our process for making the products, and so it, it was more than a year of discussions and, and planning that went into that launch before actually getting into the store.
0: And, and how much prep? Like, was it? It, it would have had to have been like a just a massive and fairly steady increase to the size of your business.
1: We still are e led. And so still more than 70% of our business is, is really driven through online sales. Amazing. Yeah, across our own website. And then uh, we also do sell on Amazon. Um, and so, so wholesale is something for us that is a fantastic touch point because it's just more views on the product, um, more of an opportunity to really experience things live in person um, and potentially make that impulse decision um, with the, the bag in hand. But ultimately, I think um, having that combination of D2C presence with wholesale is kind of the future of our business and also something that we've seen just works well for being where our customer shops.
0: Now, within that 70% of e-commerce, with Amazon being a part of that, what what have been the biggest levers for growth in your e-commerce business specifically?
1: Within e-commerce, I think a combination of a product that people and dogs love is critical um, because one thing that's very different from a human food product is if you think about the example of Maybe a plant-based patty. One of the companies that you may know or have experienced eating their products. Um, for a person who is, say, a vegetarian or a vegan and really is passionate about kind of standing behind the story of, of a product, they'll eat it. And even if you they don't really like it the first time, they'll keep coming back until the product is eventually like something that they're a used to or b improves. A dog is very different. We have to, from day one, ensure that we're just nailing it and it tastes great because uh, we're chipping him with, with our pets, sure, but if they don't like the product, they're just not going to eat it and then there's no way that a pet parent can come back and buy it. And so we absolutely you know, have seen that a lot of the growth in our e-com business has been led by the fact that when we do get a customer they come back and they share it with people in their community.
0: I remember, you know, when we were talking previously you said just organic is has been an amazing part of everything. So what is driving the top of funnel for this amazing customer experience that does replicate?
1: Yeah. Uh, so I think one of the things that's so special is is not only Great. We have, we have a great tasting product. That's, that's really important, but also is that we're bringing in this entirely new dimension to pet food experience. So historically, if you're thinking about legacy brands or even brands that have popped up within the past 10 years, the dimension is health. It's great. This is a food that's healthy for your dog. And, and you know, maybe there's a sense of deliciousness, but by and large, it's leading with health. Ours is a combination of. This is high-quality, super healthy food for your dog, and hey, with a bag of our oven-baked crunchy treats, you're saving 40 gallons of water." And so what we've seen with that is it's really empowered people to share their experience with Chip-In. And so we have a, a group of Paul who kind of spread the word organically. It's almost like they're part of a loyalty program. So they have their their own personal discount code they can use and they have one to share with their friends to try out the product. Um, and so having that kind of additional dimension of when somebody's talking about Chip-In, they're not just talking about like taste and health. They're talking about how we're really changing the world together has enabled us to create structures like this ambassador, or we call them Paul ambassador program. And it's led to just a, kind of more of a virality when we do get a customer.
0: The one that blew my mind was the overpopulated carp, because that has even another like bonus effect because you're actually by feeding your dog food, you're reducing the number of carp, which is another powerful angle. So I imagine you know, with these deep connections you make with your customers, that education is critical because people have read a few Forbes articles about eating insects and maybe they've, you know, experienced some in some part of the world. But I imagine this and not just education across insect as protein, but also education across the impact aspect of the business that you're talking about. So talk a little bit about like the most effective content pieces that that you've been able to create.
1: The most effective pieces, hands down, have been these features where I'm going directly to like right straight to the source where we, we get our proteins. And so most recently I was out in Southern California. I drove into the desert and visited our spirulina farm, which is about four hours south of LA and just walked everyone through how is spirulina made? How do we partner with this farm? What are the benefits? Um, and I think for people to be able to know and trust the protein source, but then also have that kind of visual of, Oh, great. Now I really understand like why it's healthy. Now I, I can feel more comfortable with it. And also now I can feel kind of invested in this experience of reducing the eco with Chippin uh, have been very impactful. And I did the same thing then with our overpopulated silver carp, where I went out to Kentucky. I was on a boat with the fishermen catching the silver carp that are overpopulated. And that visual of there were fish flying everywhere. I almost got hit in the head by a fish. And this bit of all a on- fish out
0: of water type situation going on there. I guess. <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs> um, so so not only for the humorous element, but also for that kind of sense of, oh my gosh. This is crazy. There's fish everywhere. This can't be good. <laughs> it definitely seems like there's an imbalance in the environment. Um, I think is really helpful for, for people and, and just like getting why we're doing what we're doing, um, it adds an element of fun. And it also has been something that's built trust. Because one thing that in addition to the kind of types of protein that we're sourcing, that's really unique about our model is that we're directly sourcing our protein. And so when you look at any other pet food that you have on the market, mystery meat is kind of the description that applies. It's that there's not really a way to to know exactly where that cut of beef or chicken is coming from it's usually a commodity protein and we're directly sourcing everything so it's traceable
0: hey retailers ever feel like your shopper experience feels just like everyone else's that's probably because it does and it shouldn't Bluecore matches online shoppers with the products they'll buy next across channels like email, on-site, paid media, social, and SMS. With Bluecore's retail data and predictive intelligence, brands automate personalized content, offers, and recommendations for each individual shopper, enabling brands like Noble to increase conversions by 15% and drive a 46% increase in repeat buyers. Visit BlueCore.com to discover why brands like Noble, Express, and Bliss chose BlueCore to automate and scale their multi-channel personalization. One more question about these videos is, where have you gotten the most new eyeballs on this content? Is it just by putting it out through your social channels organically, or have you put budget to it?
1: It's primarily been through our organic social channels, but we have put some budget to it.
0: How has that gone? I, I, this is something I'm always interested in as a content producer who makes content about running ads, which are, are, which are kind of different things. Uh, and I'm I'm just interested in how putting budget to the content has gone into. Have you been able to track it or has it just been more of a high level awareness sort of concept?
1: Click through rate on an ad that has me on a fishing boat out in Kentucky is is more than three times that of just a standard dog image with yep. some product benefits or a shot of our packaging.
0: Totally. So how has your uh, experience been on the paid social side of things?
1: I mean, I think we are encountering what a lot of brands are encountering, which is um, cost of acquisition uh, has definitely gone up in the past months. And so we're absolutely a brand that's very focused on organic and then also growing our wholesale presence as a as a a way to have a diversified set of channels. But I think with ads, it's just about testing. So we do a ton of testing every single week. It's what new ad can we put out? What's performing? Turn off anything that isn't. And so it's just had to be a really iterative process to um, find what works for us.
0: One thing that we're finding on the pilot side is that we're having to test more than we've had to test before. Uh, the creatives burn out a little quicker with these social networks, kind of losing a little data fidelity. It's sort of requiring to to, to feed the machine a little bit more. Is, is that something you're seeing?
1: We're seeing that too. The the life cycle of an ad is a lot shorter.
0: Uh, what about Google? Are, are, do you have a do you have a, a big a big Google presence?
1: Um, Google Shopping has been great for us. I think when people are able to, to see the product, um, see some of the benefits, um, that's really helpful. And then also um, really for us, a, a lot of um, more niche search terms are things that we try to lean into, like hypoallergenic protein, dogs that are having any issues with kind of specific health conditions. Um, some of our products are a great fit. And so we've... Definitely, kind of set up structures to ensure that people are searching for um, kind of specific needs for the dog's health. Um, if Chippin's a fit, then we're showing up.
0: And then let's let's talk a little bit about influencers, because again, with a product that has such a, a potent story and a potent, you know, uh, confluence of angles, let's call it from a marketing perspective, how has that translated to the kind of influencers that you work with?
1: We try to work kind of like our channel approach. Um, we we diversify the pool of influencers that we're working with. So we absolutely have kind of a strong base of, of people that are more micro influencers. Maybe they only have a couple thousand followers, but they're really engaged. So they're able to share that kind of authentic story. And then we couple that with some influencers that generally are a combination of pet focused plus maybe like vegan focus has been really powerful, um, but not in a way that's kind of exclusive or, or makes anybody feel bad, always like really positive in line with our, our company ethos. Um, and we've seen that having that sort of diversified approach is really helpful and impactful. Are insects vegan? They're not.
0: They're not, Okay
1: insects are not vegan and then the overpopulated fish is not vegan either um, so this is this is something that is actually really interesting with having a pet food product is you can't make a cauliflower kibble right no it's,
0: so you can make a cauliflower so, anything not, I, I can't believe not that not a can't.
1: cauliflower dog food that's not going to work um and so the this is also why, you know, it took a little while to kind of figure out what was our approach to sustainability while creating high-quality nutrition. And so we're kind of operating in this middle ground where we don't use status quo proteins. Not, you're never going to see a mammal. You're not going to see, you know, beef chicken within our product suite. Um, but it's not a vegan product suite. We do have a vegan product, um, but the overpopulated fish and the crickets – Are complete proteins um, that kind of sit in this middle ground of being more humane and have more digestible protein than chicken. But it's not vegan. However, what we have seen is that vegan pet parents absolutely love it because they don't feel, many of them don't feel comfortable with putting their dog on a vegan diet. But this translates in such a way that they can provide their dog with the kind of nutrition, it, yeah, that they would want.
0: It's vegan coded <laughs> in the pet world kind of, yeah. I th- I, th- I think that makes sense. What about uh, climate? I know there's a, a burgeoning group of sort of climate act, not activists necessarily, but, but people that are very focused about eco-conscious things. Is that a, an effective uh, influencer channel for you as well?
1: I would love to work with more of those folks. Um, I feel like we've been very much in the pet community And there's one influencer living with pickles who has a pig and and a lot of vegan pet parents on the, on that platform. Um, that's been fantastic relationship. Um, but if, if there's anybody listening who is more within kind of the climate activists, um, community, we're, we're really interested in more partnerships there.
0: Very cool. I just shot you a link on the chat. I was Googling before this and found the top 10 sort of climate eco influencers (laughs) so that you get that you can start with that list there. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was interesting. Okay. So the other, you know, your product, you know, with a, such a focus on organic, such a focus on uh, uh that that ability to retain customers for long for a long time, and with such a powerful, potent story, as I said, how big has PR been in in growing your business?
1: PR has been fantastic and is something that um I was I was just talking with a teammate yesterday um that we're we're looking to lean into even more. Um so today. Uh, we have done PR really in-house and a lot of it has just been kind of similar to our customer relationships, authentic um, conversations with people at media outlets. And so we've been able to land in kind of some of the top media outlets um, who have shared our founding story Um benefits of insect protein, the silver carp story over the summer when we went live on on World Oceans Day with our our silver carp-based dog food. Um, And one of the things I think that is an opportunity that we haven't done as much is a little bit more of the kind of the local um, and regional PR. Um, So I'm really interested in that also as we move forward.
0: One of the things I think about often these days is an interview I had with Tony Yu from Vessi Footwear, which is a sort of a more conscious sort of footwear brand he attributes a lot of his growth to being able to sort of serve his core communities. And so in, in his brand, a lot of his core communities are, are nurses, uh, other sort of different care workers that wear these shoes. And so he's actually found a huge benefit from sort of unselfishly serving these communities and then having, without that even being in mind, having their sales come in kind of after the fact and, He's even, he doesn't even love talking about the fact that sales come in after the fact because he's so focused on doing the positive thing up front. I was just wondering, like with so many passionate communities, have you uh, sort of engaged in that in sort of like community support, uh, you know, things?
1: Yeah. I think one parallel for us is shelters. So I adopted a dog. um, His name is King Fisher. He goes by Fisher and adopted him from Humane Rescue Alliance here in the DC area and that's been an organization that um, we've continued to donate to. We've given kind of on the ground support and help to them. Um, and we've done the same for shelters across the country because that's something that um, we're passionate about. We love dogs. And then, you know, we've also just seen that, that sometimes the options for different foods there are not what we would want for our four legged and family members. And so it's been really fun to engage with those communities. And we've seen that that's then ultimately built a little bit more buzz for us too.
0: Amazing. Now I want to talk a little bit about your background in finance and CPG. You had a really, you know, a really uh, great career there even before you started your own business. And I just wanted to ask you, like, what, what did you learn from that, that world that ha- has really set you up well as an entrepreneur going forward?
1: When, so I, I went to Northwestern for undergrad and when I was an undergraduate. I knew before anything else that I wanted to um, minor in global health studies. It wasn't a major. Um, So I declared that first and I was looking at all of the profiles of of people I saw as um, social impact leaders. And what I ended up doing with that was then looking into like, what was their background? Where did they get their start? And I saw very consistently that so many of the people that I saw as driving like awesome kind of positive change got their start in finance or consulting. And so I was interested in doing the same, realizing that that potentially would give me just kind of a solid core business toolkit to be able to then eventually run a business on my own terms um, with a focus on trying to do something that was better for the world. So got started in finance, um, did a turn in management consulting um, and then also worked with a, a couple of different kind of food and beverage focused startups, also worked with an NGO internationally and in coffee. So made sure to test the waters, um, in kind of pure business. And then also a combination of, of business and food, um, before jumping in to chip in.
0: I'm sure you learned a lot. Is there anything that you, that you could crystallize, let's say from your, let's let's say from your time in finance is there anything from there that you can crystallize as like a skill set that was like really honed at you know in that position
1: yeah i mean if you're running a business cash flow management is something you got to be really careful about <laughs> so just being able to Set up, review our own financials and project things out um, and have the ability to analyze what's going on with their customer base and purchase behavior and do that swiftly uh, has been huge for running Chippin.
0: Yeah. I think you can't overstate how valuable that, and I think there are probably a lot of, of entrepreneurs, you know, who have because of the low barriers to entry to business have been able to not understand the fundamentals as well as, as they're, as they need to kind of in this current environment. Yeah.
1: I, everyone has to learn as they go. <laughs> yeah,
0: I agree. Um, okay. Let's, uh, let's ask the, uh, the, the canned question that we ask o- on every podcast. Uh, if you had, if we were to grant you $50,000 uh, budget to grow, uh, chip in where would you put that money you know over the next three to six months let's say
1: um so this may be a little bit of a twist because it's not technically like buying ads or maybe growth focus but um i actually would like to make some website updates um because as we as we Continue to invest in in ads and influencers, um, just ensuring that you have a really high performing website with um, kind of top notch conversion. Is critical as a D2C business. And so I'm eager to to update the chip and website for um, some some optimizations that we know we need to make.
0: Very cool. I, I did I forgot to ask, and there's one thing that if, if if we have time, I would cover a little bit. It's nice to know you want to optimize, but on the current site, what are the things that are working best in terms of getting people? Smoothing the path for people to buy the product again, let's say, are there anything, because your website is actually very innovative and like, you know, uh, to an outsider looking at it, I'm just like, this is, this seems like a pretty advanced website. So it's, it's good to know you're thinking about the next phase. It's a
1: little too advanced. You think so? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's the problem. (laughs) We, we have a, I mean, our, our customer base is pretty diverse and is not all around that young. (laughs) So, um, keeping it it really simple for that dog mom who may be an empty nester and isn't used to buying pet food directly, but her dog is allergic to beef and chicken and she found chip in and feels really good about it. And is excited to support a smaller women owned business. Um, having something that is too advanced can actually be to our detriment.
0: Yeah, I, that's, that's an interesting point. And I wanted you tease this right off the top. And I wanted you said when you talked about a uh, pet company, you, you talked about your pet food for now. Are, do you have ambitions of <laughs> of making it for superfoods for humans as well?
1: Um, so, it's, yeah, I, I guess that's I not we're, we're going cats next. Um, OK, so dogs, dogs, we've um, been really excited to to own and lean into that. Um, We get so many requests for cats.
0: Yeah, they're gonna love the carp. That's perfect. They're
1: gonna love the carp. And it's just such a great fit. So tons of people requesting cats. And then we just came out with a topper that works as a topper. It works as a broth. um, And it can also be used as a peanut butter replacement. So if you have dogs that enjoy chew toys, you add a little bit of water, and then it creates this kind of paste. And that's fully human grade. And that's something where, you know, I feel like that that's it's a bone broth that totally could be in um, people's kitchen cabinet. I've had a couple mornings, and it's kind of a nice way to start the morning. (laughs) It's it's, um, perfect for people as well.
0: Well, you're building a path with the product that you have that has so many things going for it. I think, yeah, you'll have a lot of opportunity to expand it. I want to thank you so much for coming to the podcast today. I'm actually eager. Like I'll have, we'll have to have you back on in the future after you've made these website changes it'd be, and it'd be lovely to discuss that process with you.
1: <laughs> yes. Happy to walk through it.
0: <laughs> nice. If people want to find Chippin, they want to go to chippinpet.com. Um, anything else uh, to tell the people about the brand?
1: Yeah. uh, Follow along on our Instagram too. um, And TikTok. Chippin' time.
0: Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can do that right now at directtoconsumeralloneword.co. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C Podcast. We'll see you next time.